glass, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. Yeah. I like my music, glass, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. Yeah. I like my music, glass, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. Yeah. I like my music, glass, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. Trying to get hit, music allowed this nigga but hits If I hop on it, then do what you get I just go in like the fit of a switch I come to party, trying to get hit Music allowed this nigga but hits If I hop on it, then do what you get I just go in like the fit of a switch Holy shit, and we are back, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to be back here with another episode of Kicking It with the Motherfucking King, baby. Episode 336 of Kicking It with the King. It's good to be back. It's your host, Gabriel Hernandez, as always. April Fool's, bitch. Thursday, April 1st, 2021. 2021, is that... Wait, does that sound right? 2000, yeah, 2021. We're nearly a quarter into 2021, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to be back. April Fool's special on top of everything else, on top of everything we need to talk about. There's so much to talk about, man. I'm like, literally, I said after UFC 260 that I wanted to do immediate post-fight recap show. And that didn't happen right away. Ladies and gentlemen, because so much stuff has been happening in the last week and so, and stuff like that, so I wasn't really able to get to it and get um, directly on it. But hey, better late than never. We're here. We're we're, we're going to talk about everything today, ladies and gentlemen. We got an hour too long here together. We have an hour show today, and without further ado, as always, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to keep up with the action, if you want to follow the best posts, the most entertaining posts, the most woke posts, the most you know, overall most interesting page, you, you got to follow us on Instagram, ladies and gentlemen. KWTK pod on Instagram and Twitter. G the King underscore official on Instagram as well. But hey, if you follow us on KWTK pod on Instagram and Twitter, you're keeping up to date with the latest and the greatest when it comes to our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are available everywhere. You get your shows exclusively on Spotify podcasts, Apple podcasts. Told people many times that Apple podcasts is the first um, platform to get the episode, the, excuse me, the episodes every time they're out. So, Apple Podcasts and so forth. Um, it's good to be back here, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, like I said, uh, wow. I mean, we we can't even like. Um, let me just tell you right at the top, man. Obviously, UFC two sixty happened over a week ago, and damn, man, it's just wow. The results are in. We're a little late here on our arrival when it comes to talking about it, but damn, let me just tell you. I mean, personally, like I said, I um just been busy. Um, I did go. I mean, I do believe the last time we talked about um we were on the show, we talked about potentially selling the first car that I ever bought. 
with cash and stuff like that. But here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday, and we have decided not to even think about selling it. We pulled it off the market completely. There's people that, that wanted to buy it. They were offering horrible amounts under the limit. I mean, it's like if you post something and try to sell something, ladies and gentlemen. Say, for example, like, like the other day, I made an easy 50 bucks. An easy 50 bucks. Sold my iWatch, the Apple Series 3. I don't know if you guys remember me talking about wanting to get it. But it's like, dude, my job doesn't even allow me to have anything, wristbands or any of this other shit like that, man. Because it collects dust, it collects germs, and, you know, we're in food service, man. It's a restaurant, man. You know what I mean? So you can't have something on there that tracks dust. But more times than anything, I'm at work, so I really don't have a purpose, nor do I have a need for it. So just like, you know what I mean? So just like, uh, might as well just sell it. I mean, I, I, I had originally pitched $70 for it. Like I, I put it up for sale on Facebook marketplace. Similarly to when I put the Honda Civic up on Facebook on the marketplace. I mean, there's lots of local people. If you really sell something that's of interest to lots of people, like a new car or like, something of attraction to a lot of people you're gonna get a lot of people that want it like say for example you get a new iphone xr or some shit and you sell your xs or you sell your iphone 8 or your iphone x for a cheaper price i mean it's not guaranteed that you're gonna get all these people rushing in wanting to get it wanting to uh uh what's it called uh you know, want to rush in and buy it and shit like that. You never know. But depending on, like, the desperation of people nowadays, depending on how good of condition you keep it in and stuff like that, that's the most important thing. I mean, same thing with the Honda, man. I actually just, uh, like, probably a few hours ago, probably just, um, yeah, just, just probably the second car wash since I've had it. It's been a little bit under a week or so, but I've had it, and it's super shiny, man, I'm looking at it right now, man, fucking absolutely shiny, man, if you check out the videos, if you check out the Snapchats, if you check out the Instagrams, man, I am proud and happy, because that is the first time I've put forth 1300 fucking dollars, man, to, to fucking buy something like that, and it runs pretty good, obviously, every single car that you get, every single car that you buy used in a marketplace, on a car lot, and all these other fucking places that people do, it does take work, and, you know, I kind of dabbled with a little bit of fact of potentially selling it, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, my, my mind and my body and my soul told me that the best choice for me would be to keep it because my first one, I mean, I, I posted that picture for the first time on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, just everywhere, man. And, you know, your family, your friends, your supporters, everybody just likes to see something like that. They like to see positive upbringing, positive uprisings, and they want to see you do good in life. And that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest motivator. That's, that's something to be very proud about. And, you know, here we are doing it yet again so i mean i decided you know i i remember on the last episode i think we talked about getting like seat covers and shit like that or if, if we didn't talk about it on there i'm pretty damn sure that we posted about it so i mean seat covers on top of uh 
you know, just everything visual, man. Visuals are important too, but so is the physical, so is the performance and all that. But yeah, we got off of that freaking uh, car wash earlier. And yeah, I've been driving it, man. I'm getting used to driving it. I mean, the hybrid system is amazing. Um, obviously, like I said, every car needs some work when you need to do it. I fucking hit some oleanders the other day, dude. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not driving drunk. drunk. I'm not driving high. But I'm going to sneeze right <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me why I had to have a fit of freaking sneezing, ladies and gentlemen. But, yeah, other than that, man, I've just been chilling. I've been working. I've just been, you know, just the normal shit no matter what. Regardless of all that, ladies and gentlemen, I've just been working, been grinding. and just been, you know, been living life like a normal human being, ladies and gentlemen. While breaking news, we are out of the stizzy. So we will get another one next week. And we'll be here to talk about it, ladies and gentlemen. So, um... Without further ado, like I said, guys, welcome in officially to Kicking It With The King. Um, we're back. Uh, man, let's get right into talking about it, man. How about Francis motherfucking Ngannou? Goodness gracious, man. It wasn't out of the realm of possibility, but if you remember the last episode, I said this fight was either going to end with Stipe winning by unanimous decision in impressive fashion. I didn't think he was going to knock Francis out or... On the other side of Francis, I said Francis isn't going to submit him. He isn't going to take him to the decision. If Francis wins, he's going to knock him out. And what does Francis do in the second round? He knocks him out in impressive fashion. And Francis Ngannou is a new UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Goodness fucking gracious. Like I said, I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. Goodness gracious, the way he did it was absolutely phenomenal, man. He hurt him early in the first round, hurt him in the second, showed great takedown defense, showed great perfect uh, patience and stuff like that. And, you know, in amazing fashion, he gets the job done. And, you know, like I said, Francis Ngannou is a new heavyweight champion of the world. Goodness gracious, man. What a way to win. I mean, and it's not just a big, it's not just a win. It's a win over the most decorated heavyweight champion of the all time. I mean, I spent about a couple hours or so, two hours and a half watching a lot of the best highlights that were available. When it comes to, obviously, like I said, later on, we'll talk about Tyron Woodley. We'll talk about the career, um, his fight against Vicente Luque and everything. What what comes after that? Um, last fight on his contract. We'll talk about all that, ladies and gentlemen. I got everything, everything in store to talk about when it comes to that. But at this point in time, what we're talking about present day, right now, is the win Francis had over Stipe, man. What, what, a, what a fucking way to win. Not only win, but avenge a loss and also bring a belt to France. I mean, obviously Cameroon, he comes from Africa. I mean, three African-born uh, UFC world champions. We got Israel Adesanya. You got Kamaru Usman. And now we've got Francis Ngannou. Absolutely amazing win. I mean... Obviously, if you remember the first fight, a lot of people want to think about the first fight and think about the um, performance that both Stipe had and Francis. 
And, you know, a lot of people said, you know, either Stipe was going to win by decision and, you know, look impressive. Because if we looked at Stipe's past rematches, like I said in the last podcast, he's looked amazing in rematches. He looked good in the Dos Santos rematch. He knocked Dos Santos out. Um, who, who's another rematch? He, he looked good in the DC one. Obviously, the DC rematch that Stipe had, he obviously had to go through the ringer. And it was a very, very tough fight before it happened. But then, boom, Stipe Miocic beats Diano Cormier and stops him in the second fight to become the world champion again. And obviously, like I said, he comes back, has a third fight with DC, close fight. And then, boom, comes in again, light against Francis Ngannou, and boom, here we go. I mean, Stipe was still Stipe. And remember what I said on the last episode, ladies and gentlemen. Remember this. I said that Stipe had always been decorated. He always had... Superb, phenomenal skills. He looked amazing. He had an amazing heavyweight run as a world champion, as a uh, obviously, like I said, as a firefighter full time, as well as training full time. And winning a world championship belt isn't easy, especially when you're doing both jobs full time. And just the whole reign and how long Stebe's been good for, and the fact that. He's been winning more than anything nowadays. And, you know, obviously it's hard to sell a third fight right away because you look at how brutal the second fight was and how easily, he, I mean, not how easily he got knocked out. It just shows you that if you look on the side of improvement when it comes to Stipe, yes, Stipe has already been the champion. He's defended the title more than any other heavyweight has. He holds records. He's looked good. He's impressive. The recent, most recent heavyweight champion himself, Francis Ngannou, and the only other guy to defend the belt as many times as it's been there. And obviously, like I said, I mean, Stipe is phenomenally accomplished, and what he's been able to do has been absolutely out of this realm and you know obviously no one else has been able to do it and been able to replicate what Stipe has been able to do uh, other than the guy named Francis Ugano who comes in the second round and beats him down I mean if you want to look on the side of improvement when it comes to both fighters yes Stipe had already been there he had already been main eventing he had already been winning in impressive fashion and you know at that point in time it already had an amazing run going on in the first fight obviously wasn't easy the first time wasn't easy the second time, considering the fact that Francis did win in impressive fashion in the second time. But if you want to look at the list of improvements, there's a story around Francis Ngannou that generates a lot more publicity, that generates a lot more attention, that generates people excited about seeing what happens with him when he went into the second fight with Stipe. What happened with him when he went in here? Because we want to see that the first fight, I just got done telling my brother earlier. I felt he was rushed in the fight with Overeem. I watched the Overeem fight earlier. It was an amazing fight. He was very patient. He looked good. He knocked Overeem into the, the another dimension. But he got rushed into a title fight because of his viral knockout. The way that he looked, how amazing, how dominant, and, and just perfectly, you know, placed punch and... You know, obviously, like I said, with a viral knockout like that, man, it's like, oh, this guy's got to fight for the title. This guy's got to fight for the title. And if he doesn't fight for the title, it's going to be a crime. But, yeah, he got to fight for the title the first time against Stipe Miocic. Obviously, he landed a lot of good shots. I mean, you guys remember the first fight, right? He looked good. He landed a lot of devastating shots. But, you know, Stipe uses wrestling, similarly to what people thought he would do in the second fight, and uses wrestling, but... 
Stipe initiated and tried some takedowns. That didn't go the way it should have went for him. Obviously, Francis did stop some takedowns. He looked good. He looked at, He obviously looked in shape. And obviously, he was, you know, prepared for everything that happened. I mean, he's a guy. I mean, when you get these guys that you can mold into world champions, these guys that are willing to learn, these guys that are willing to accept what happens and get better each and every time, each and every fight, even each and every training session. These are the guys that you mold in the world champions. I mean, considering the fact that Francis didn't have a background in any kind of martial arts specifically, and if you look back at a lot of the best fighters on the planet, a lot of these dudes had some sort of background, and Francis Ngannou is one of the best fighters on the planet now, and he didn't have a background. He didn't need a background, and... You know, obviously, like I said, and he, he looked impressive and, you know, he, he obviously learned a lot over the last few years. I mean, the, since the first Stipe fight to the second one, it's like, dude, he's a completely different guy. It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy to see the improvements that he has made. I mean, obviously, do, do I think that there's someone out there that can beat Francis? I do, but I can't name it. There's some fun fights to come with uh, Francis Ngannou's heavyweight title reign now. Um, I did mention Brock Lesnar earlier. I mean, I, she want to make some motherfucking money, UFC. Come on, baby. Uh, I'm wearing the Kickin' with the King official podcast tee, the first edition t-shirt too, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, just so you guys know. But yeah, Francis Ngannou versus Brock Lesnar. If you want to talk about money, if you want to talk about making, getting some fucking uh, pay-per-view buys and attention, dude, Brock Lesnar. Francis Ngannou, are you kidding me? How can that not be something that you would consider UFC? Like, that's something that would do tremendous amounts of numbers. I mean, both physical specimens, both fucking world championship level fighters. I mean, Brock Lesnar, obviously, came into the UFC when he did, and he was able to win a belt versus the fucking terrible career of the, the, the washout piece of shit CM Punk. He came in the UFC and got some attention because of his um, decorated career in the WWE. But still, if you can't fight, you don't belong in the UFC. And at that point in time, it was shown that CM Punk didn't belong in the motherfucking UFC. We see what happened with that. But him versus, you know, him. Oh, I should fucking drop the mic on the floor. Um, his career versus the career of Brock Lesnar. I mean, Brock Lesnar was a collegiate wrestler. Uh, 106 and 5, I do believe, in his wrestling matches. 106 wins and 5 losses, man. Those 5 losses, Jesus, man. That's not even that many. And he has three, five, 3 to 5 times more experience and wins than anything. But he came in. He won a belt. He beat the great Randy Couture. He beat Shane Carvin. I mean, he, he beat a lot of guys, good guys that were available at the time. And, I mean, beat the likes of Frank Mir to him and brutalized him in the second fight. Arguably could have won the first one if Frank didn't catch him in that knee bar, man. But he's a very vicious guy. So, I mean, going up to thinking about the career of Brock, I mean, you see his return that he had, his brief return he had against uh, Mark Hunt at UFC 200. And since then, we haven't seen him. We've seen that brief stint he had with uh, DC in the octagon. He came in there, he pushed DC, and... You know, they, they're, they're, they're chomping at the bit to potentially fight each other. That shit did not even come close to getting done. And, you know, that's when the 
Stipe, and I think that's when DC first beat Stipe, so it was just like, yeah, DC came up, he, he beat him in impressive fashion in the first round, and, you know, the whole Brock Lesnar thing happened and all that, but um, realistically, man, that's a good fight, man, I'd like to see it, but logically, like, if I'm thinking about uh, potential contenders for Francis following this win he had over Stipe, um, do I think Stipe deserves a trilogy fight? I mean, Stipe's been in champion, nothing but championship fights for like the last five years, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't see him in, in any other fights that aren't for the belt. Does he deserve a trilogy fight right away? No, I don't believe that. I think he needs to take some time off. I think as fans, as analysts, as podcasters, and all these people, we need to take a break from wanting to even think about booking him for fights mentally. Like, when it comes to thinking about potential fights, no, we, we don't even need to think about potential fights. We need to give him the space and time. We need to let him enjoy the birth of his baby boy come summer. Families first, kids are first, man. If you're in that kind of position and you're a father and you're a parent, you should understand where Steve A's coming from, and it's a bad knockout, man. Even if he didn't want uh to, even if he didn't have a baby boy coming on the way, it's still way motherfucking too early to think about potential uh fights that that Steve A could have in the future. I mean, I don't think at the top of the heat, man. I, I just don't think anybody should rematch. Francis, because you look at all Francis's rematches, other than obviously the other talked about fight that should happen and potentially be next if it needs to happen, if they need a heavyweight title fight, is the fight, the first fight. If you look at the first fight that Francis had with Derek Lewis, oh my God. One of the most boring, uneventful fights of all time. But then, then again, if you go back and you look at the stakes that both of those men were at, dude. That fight could end at any given time. In someone could have landed at any given time, and the fights would have been over. Impressive fight, impressive win, for Derek Lewis. I mean, Derek Lewis looks amazing, has looked amazing in his last fight. I mean, he has talked about fighting for the belt. He's talked about his maturity in the sport, and and here we are. Francis Ngannou becomes the world champion now, and the last man to beat Francis is technically Derek Lewis. Do we get a Derek Lewis fight, a rematch with Francis Ngannou? If Francis Ngannou looks good and rematches, th this will be the best fight. I mean, is he going to beat Derek Lewis? I don't know. Both men can land both punches. Any punch, any any knockout strikes. Derek Lewis has knockouts in his hands, obviously. And I'm pretty damn sure his power in his feet and his knees, too. And, and you know, he's not going to get grappled with. He's not going to get taken down. It's literally... If you look at the fight, the first fight, both men were so tentative. Both men were so hesitant. Nobody wanted to throw any strikes. He's like, dude, anybody throws and anybody fucking lands, bro, you're going to sleep. And that could easily translate to the second fight. What's Francis going to do? Tie him up? Put him up against the cage? Try to wrestle with Lewis? I guarantee you Derek Lewis has good enough takedown defense to fight off a guy like Francis. I mean, if Francis wins 90% of the time, he's going to win by knockout. Like I said, with the Stipe fight. Francis is going to win by knockout. I can't tell you when or how. He's going to win by knockout. That's all I said. I mean, if Stipe, like I said, if Stipe would have won because we've seen the first fight, he would have won by decision or maybe stopped him late in the fight. 
took him down, but it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna be anything out of the realm of possibilities that happened. Francis wins by knockout. Lots of people thought he was gonna win by knockout as well. I, I pictured it. I said Francis and Ganu first round knockout via verdict MMA, but I got the second round perfect pick knockout too. Cause I said this the first round, but boom, he gets a knockout on the second and I'm slightly off, but hey, better to be close than to be farther away from my my proper predictions and here we go. I mean, Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou, interesting, fun fight. Very interesting to see what happens. Very interesting to see because, you know, we can't even sit here and discuss Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou without mentioning the one, the only, the greatest of all time, the former UFC light heavyweight champion who's bulked up, who's built himself up, to potentially go for a shot at the heavyweight title. And it has by been said by Dana White that for a long time, John Jones is, you know, we've been talked about it for a little minute about John Jones potentially getting the shot at the heavyweight title, just having to see what happens with the, the Stipe and the Francis fight. I mean, if Stipe would have lost in the first round by knockout in like 10 seconds or so, or just had a weird way of winning like super early on and shit, like, obviously, if it was a little bit more faster than the Francis knockout that he just recently had over Cipe, if it would have performed in a different way and, say, won super quick or some shit like that, had some a blitzing knockout or some boulderizing knockout, then maybe we would think about potential rematches. But no, it, 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 he won in an impressive fashion. He made it to where you don't even need to think about potentially having a third fight because he won so easily. He won so easily. And his average fight time is so low. And the fact that he's had all these fights and now he's you know, obviously a world champion and he's in fights and, you know, potentially shows him of the Mike Tyson of MMA. I mean, in all respects to Anthony Rumble Johnson. But could you imagine an Anthony Rumble Johnson in a Francis Ngannou fight? Like, that would be some wild MMA matchmaking. Like, if you ever... Um, sit back and think about potential cool fights for the heavyweight division or just fights for light heavyweight history or just, you know, just fights in general, like fantasy fights and shit like that. Those are some fun fights, man, for sure, man. Very fun, very entertaining, man. Wow, what what he has been able to do, I mean, coming from the dunes of Cameroon, digging sand mines, being homeless at one point in time. And she's paved the way for lots of people in Africa and all over the place. You don't even have to be just African, man. You could be any kind of nationality or race. And you just see the come up from Francis and Ganu. And that can pave the way and show you that, you know, the sky's the limit. And you could go out there and accomplish anything you put your mind to. You just got to have belief behind it. You've got to have your coaches behind it and, and all those forms of, of entertainment and stuff like not entertainment, but you only got to have those people that are, are into your goals or into your dreams and then want to help you achieve them. That's why it's important to have people around you that want you to be a world champion, that wants you to be great at things. You don't want to have people around you that are just there. You want to have people around you that support you. 
that care about you and they want the best for you. That's the most important part in a lot of people's lives. Not even being a fighter. If you don't you have to be a fighter to know that. You should just have people around you that want to see you win, that want to see you accomplish things. But then again, it has to do with you as well. It has to do with your ambition. You're only as good as the people you allow to be around you, right? If you let pieces of shit people to be around you and let their behavior rub off on you, you're going to end up being a piece of shit as well. And if you have a friend around you or people around you that want you to win and want to see you do good, then by all means, that's the most perfect way that you can potentially go. I mean, at least have people around you that want to see you win. And, and you know, that's obviously the case of Francis and Gatto now. So if we go back to what I was saying, and I said, uh, you know, potentially thinking about the next fight, I mean, I, I'd have to bank on it and say that maybe they do a Derek Lewis fight. I don't think they're going to do a third CPA fight. I think it's way too soon. I think CPA at least needs a return in September or October or something like that because, man, that was a bad knockout. I mean, you look at the way that his legs bent back. Oh, my God, that hurt me too. Like, oh, my God, that looks so bad. I mean, I get so nervous when a lot of these guys, like, will um fall down or bend their legs when they suffer a bad knockdown or knockout or some shit like that. I'm just like, oh, fuck, dude. Oh, my God, no, no. But, you know, Stipe issued a very classy post-fight statement. Very classy in wins and losses. Wins or defeats, excuse me. And, you know, obviously, like I said, he he will be back. I don't think he's done. I don't think he should retire. I just think, like, you know, like I said earlier, I think a Francis third fight right now is just not the healthiest thing for him. You know, you look at his first war with with Francis, his first war with, like, his fights with Dos Santos. And, you know, since Stipe has been fighting man you know a lot of his career has been relied on great movement great power great combinations with his punches and uh dedication to be one of the best in the world at all time and he had a goal of being a world champion and he was getting denied at one point in time for his title shots and he came back and he beat all these people i mean he beat all these people in an amazing fashion i mean the second dos santos fight I mean, the second DC fight, even though he was losing early on, he was losing early on and he finally found out a way and he adjusted and he won in impressive fashion, finished DC with a body shot, stunned him, stunned him on the feet and, you know, obviously came in to, to become a champion and that's exactly what he did. And, you know, obviously, like I said, unfortunately, he loses to Francis Ngannou in the rematch, the second fight. Doesn't mean that he's not capable of becoming a world champion again. Does it happen right now? I don't necessarily believe that. I think that, obviously, Francis, as good as he is, there's going to be somebody preparing for him. But, hey, nobody's uh, nobody's really beaten him. So there hasn't really been too much... Uh, there hasn't been too much chatter when it comes to that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's going to be interesting, obviously, to see what the UFC ends up doing with Francis. I do think, like, there's so many fights on the horizon. I mean, the Derek Lewis fight. I mean, other than the Derek Lewis fight, I mean, you got the John Jones fight. I know we briefly touch base on a John Jones fight right now, and that seems to be that there really isn't any deal currently going through with John. I did see him briefly mention something, but, you know, he's wanting to get paid. He's wanting to get paid at least $10 million or some shit like that for the Francis Ngannou fight. I mean, he's moving up in weight. He's fighting for a belt of heavyweight. If you look at how dangerous Francis is now, and for the light heavyweight GOAT, John Jones, to move up in weight and still hasn't lost to the very day, I mean, it's amazing, man. It's like 
uh, John Jones looks absolutely fantastic, man. I mean, what he's been able to do in his career, you guys know how much I've loved and cherished the career of John Jones. Man, that guy forever will be a Hall of Famer. What he's been able to do in his career for the longest time is Hall of Fame worthy. Like three or four fights ago, he could have retired and been considered one of the best fighters of all time. The second DC fight won in an impressive fashion. The second Gustafson fight won in an impressive fashion. Both fights were very competitive, both first times. The Gustafson fight for John the first time was very, very uh, obviously trying and very, very difficult and stuff like that. So, you know, the way he looked in the second fight with Gustafson was amazing. I mean, he's been essentially undefeated ever since the Matt Hamill fight. I mean, obviously, the Dominic Reyes fight was very close too, but Dominic Reyes got his lights shut out by, by a Jan Bohovic. So, I mean, if it comes to John Jones ever fighting Jan Bohovic, I think John beats the shit out of him. And still, to this very day, he beats the shit out of him. And now, looking at the amazing career, I mean, the world champion since 2011, 23 years old, becoming a world champion. Looking at his career now, obviously, he's not a light heavyweight no more. He's uh, uh, vowed to move up in weight. And fight for the heavyweight title, whether it was against Stipe or whether it's against Francis. And now it's a matter of time to to think about whether he gets this shot. If he doesn't get this shot, what's he going to do? I mean, he's talked about the UFC wine. He's talked about telling the UFC to cut him. Uh, I mean, he just, you know, obviously he doesn't want to be sitting around and just doing nothing. The man wants to fight. He wants to be paid what he's worth. And um, I, I'm not against that, ladies and gentlemen, 100%. John Jones needs to be paid, man. If you're gonna be moving up in weight, if you know the 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 greatest light heavyweight fighter of all time has been dominating wrecking shop down at two oh five for almost over eleven years, he comes up in heavyweight to fight your biggest baddest monster in the form of Francis and Danu, and for people who think it, John's scared. You know he's not scared. Why, why would anybody be scared? I mean, what what's gonna happen? Either Francis is going to knock you out or he isn't going to knock you out. I mean, few people have beaten Francis. I mean, Derek Lewis and Stipe, the first time, very impressive wins. The second one for Derek Lewis wasn't, I mean, the first, the, the win that Derek Lewis had against Francis wasn't impressive. But, hey, he, he was able to make the judges' scorecards, which is a W in its own right. Same thing that goes with Stipe. He withstood the barrage early on in the first Francis fight. He took him down when he needed to. And, you know, Stipe Miocic, you know, like I said, forever will be one of the best and obviously Hall of Fame-worthy career, uh, had one of the most Hall of Fame-worthy careers and, and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously I think he'll be back most definitely. Um, for obviously the side of John Jones, I do feel for him. He is one of the best of all time. He's one of the few that I've uh, drawn inspiration from. I mean, I follow and, and love and support each and every one of these fighters but when it comes to confidence when it comes to motivation and just thinking about what what i uh appreciate the most and shit like that and the fighters that i watch growing up that i want to emulate myself after and you know pick up some skills like that have to be john jones and you know um gsp dominant cruz and you know all the best fighters of all time and just molded myself after them learned from them seeing the skill that they had you know, when it comes to podcasts or commentary or just 
know, interviews and all that. Like, Dominic Cruz is as motivational as ever, similarly to John Jones. And as long as John Jones has been in the heat for, it's crazy to see that he doesn't really have, like, a fight lined up right now. It's crazy to think that, that that's not happening. There's nothing happening right now. But I don't would I would not want to see John Jones get cut, man. I mean, I think the UFC's been playing this game for so long and, you know, these people are speaking up and it's like, dude, I mean, that's a lot of money. That's fuck you money when it comes to the rest of the roster. I mean, eight million dollars wait, what? Eight million dollars isn't enough. I mean, eight million for any one million would be enough for me. Five hundred thousand. What you mean, man? It's like, wow. I used to, like, people are going to sit here and chime in and say that, oh, he's being so greedy and all this other shit. But on top of that, dude, as dominant as John has been and the fact that he's been in championship level fights since uh, 2011 should really show you how dominant somebody is unless you're obviously not really talking to them too much about it or they can't or they don't remember the fights that we watch or some shit like that you know what i mean it's just it's fun it's fun to see obviously what's going to happen it's fun to see like the the evolution obviously of francis it's fun to see francis's potential next title challenger i mean if i had to pick if someone were to ask me what i would like personally to see i mean Derek Lewis had amazing win in his last fight i mean but but uh, francis and uh uh, Francis and a Derek Lewis fight would would be fun too, cause you know you get to see what Derek Lewis has had in the bag, and I do believe that Derek Lewis is not afraid of Francis, so he's obviously like I said he's got to watch out for the the wild uh, punching power of Francis, but similarly to say with Francis, same thing can be said. I mean this guy comes from Paris, he's like a Greek god, freaking looks like chocolate, built sculpted chocolate. I mean, and is one of the nicest human beings on the planet, man. It's like, Jesus Christ, man, freaking. It's just, it's insane. It's insane to think about. It's insane to see the impressive win that he had. I mean, like I said earlier on the show, like, I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised at the same time. Like I said, like, I was surprised, but damn, the way he did it was impressive. And I did say that if Francis won, it would be by an oppressive knockout. I, I tried to joke around and say, oh, Francis, first round knockout. Boom. Arguably could have won in the first round. Second fight, does the same thing. Wins in the second round. Hurts him early in the first round. And, you know, you look at the impressive performance he had in the second. You know, patient. He stopped the takedowns. He was very patient. He didn't go in for the kill. And he adds to his list of resume of dominance that he's had since he's been in in the UFC in a short amazing road to contention I mean Francis has fought a murderer's row of people but he has put it together and won by knockout and all impressive performances of his fight every every one of his fights he's he's looked good and he's either knocked people out or been knocked out well he's never been knocked out actually but you know what I mean? Like, logically, you, you either knock someone out. With a guy like Francis, you either knock someone out or you get knocked out. I mean, that's the mindset you got to have when you think about the Derek Lewis and Francis fight. Like, both these men have God-ending, lightning-ending power. I mean, both men land. If anybody land, man, it's either one person or the other going to sleep and 
what what they're able to do in their first fight. I mean, he, Derek Lewis went the distance. Francis went the distance. It's not a fight I would watch at all. I mean, I would probably watch it once during fight camp and maybe try to study certain things. But you know, if it's not if it's not an area that I feel is competitive, then I'm not gonna want to sit here and like think about it or vouch for someone and improve in a certain area. You know what I mean? Like said, if you have wrestling or dominant wrestler like Stipe obviously was at one point in time in his career. I mean, if you look at wrestling like the guys like Usman. And, and stuff like that, or Khabib, you know, these guys really know how to wrestle, but when you get people that don't even know how to wrestle, let alone just being disrespectful in general, it's like, you don't even want to do shit for them, like, even if you hear them, like, I found one of my caps, on the, or what is it called, uh, like I said, I mean, I don't know, I lost my train of thought, but anyways, guys, let's move back to the, what we were saying, maybe like, Francis, man, a win like that, that's a massive win, that's a massive jump, and you know, the next one's always going to be one of the best ones. You never know what it's going to be like. You know what I mean? The fight could be, it, it, it could be such a different fight from the first one. I mean, similarly to the first fight and with Francis and Stipe. I mean, a lot of people thought it would be similar. And obviously, like I said, on the side of Stipe, people thought that Stipe would just be so much better because how much more lighter he was, how good the second DC fight went for him towards the end. And the third fight, he has all leverage. Not only does he have the leverage, he has the king's crown uh, on top of him. And, you know, he makes a choice for the next fight and potentially be the next fight for him. I mean, if you really think and sit back and think about the potential uh, list of competitors for Francis to fight next. I mean, if you want to throw in the Brock Lesnar fight, you can throw in the Brock Lesnar fight. Other than that, Derek Lewis or Steve Miocic. I really don't know of anyone else that comes up that should be fighting for the title. I mean, we got Chris Dawkins, I do believe, if I'm not, ple- uh, if that's not, if that's the right brother, and we got, uh, obviously, Tom Aspinall, heavyweight, they call him the Frank Mir of today, and, and all that, so, I mean, you never know, I mean, with, with, with the craziness of the sport and all that, it's, it's not our move, obviously, it's like, it's obviously, like, you know, like I said, the sport evolves, it moves forward, people get better, Matchups get harder. And, you know, obviously, moving into this next point in time for, uh, obviously, as a sport, talking about the sport moving on, when we talk about the career of Tyron Woodley, I mean, as dominant as ever in strike force, I mean, making his UFC a debut, beating the hell out of Jay Haran for the first fight. And, you know, obviously, just keeping in touch and, you know, uh, seeing, obviously, the amazing career that he's had and you know regardless of the four losses in a row i mean i was sitting back telling my brother earlier i was like dude tyron has fought the best of the best when it comes to these fighters man and obviously like i said like he he always uh puts some like obviously like i said he's he's put on amazing performances uh the win he had i mean to win the bell over robbie lawler was amazing Oh, the f- defenses he's had to say Stephen Thompson were fun. Darren Till. I mean, you look at where Darren Till is now, but you look at the um, look at the uh, performances of uh, Vittori and stuff like that. Uh, I'm I'm falling asleep, ladies and gentlemen. We're so fucked up. <laughs> we're so fucked up here on the show. We're topic, but here, ladies and gentlemen, what were we talking about Francis and Gano? If I'm not believe, if I'm not mistaken, but. 
yeah, man. So for next title fights, man, it's going to be interesting. It just depends. I mean, if not the Derrick Lewis fight, after the Derrick Lewis fight, I really don't know who comes to mind. I mean, we got some new heavyweights on the horizon and some people looking to make their names in the sport. And if they can get it round in with Francis and Ghana, then by all means, I respect the next heavyweight title challenger that isn't named Stipe or named Derrick Lewis or named John Jones. I mean, could John Jones beat Derrick Lewis handily? I think, obviously, John Jones just has so much uh, creative uh, genes and stuff and just everything he's been doing and stuff. Like, he's just... It's in, it's in his blood to be a world champion like that. You know what I mean? But, yeah, man. So, going in... So we went from talking about Francis and Ghana and Tyron Woodley and all that. But, hey, let's circle back what we were talking about to Tyron Woodley, right? The uh the performance he had, obviously. He he fought against Vicente Luque. Very tough fight. Um, In my head, I feel it's like a passing of the torch fight. And as in a lot of other people's heads, they touted it as a passing of the torch fight, which added a lot of pressure to the Tyron fight. Meaning that if he didn't win against Vicente Luque, you get all these people saying that, oh, he should retire or he can't beat the top guys anymore. But in reality, his Gilbert Burns fight, his Colby fight, his uh, who, 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 his Usman fight, Usman fight, Gilbert Burns, Colby, Vicente Luque. All top con- top tier contenders. Top tier contenders, world championship material fighters, and obviously former title talenters. You never know. But, you know, like I said, for Tyron, he's had a decorated career. He could retire and say that he did it all. But he, he fought. He won a belt. He won his belt in impressive fashion. He looked good doing it. Had a couple really good title defenses. And, you know, like I said, he's just, you know, obviously generally a great guy. I mean, got a lot of hate early on in the UFC and uh, a lot of the fans and stuff hating on him and stuff. But, hey, overall fantastic fighter, great athlete, great wrestler, great fighter, former world champion. And, you know, obviously the question is where does he go from here? I do believe that is the last fight on his contract too. So it will be interesting to see if he picks up a contract either in the UFC again um, at this day and age when it comes to UFC cutting people and stuff like that. I mean, if he doesn't end up in the UFC, he's going to end up being somewhere else. And I do believe generally if he goes to another organization or something like that, he, he could be right in a title fight, man. Even coming off of a few losses in a row. I mean, you send him over to Bellator, the welterweight title. I mean, you can easily... You can easily sell that. Lima versus Tyron Woodley. Okay. That would be cool, depending on what happens. And stuff like that. But I really don't want to write Tyron off. I mean, I'm generally behind this whole topic about these fights when it comes to really, you know, a game of chess. It doesn't matter, man. Any given day, you could be any of these motherfuckers. But, hey, it happens on the days, it ha- days that it happens. And we get to see it every single time it happens, man. So, if I could gamble and say... And talk about the um, next career move for Tyron. I don't think he retires. I think he still has a lot of fight left. I still think he possesses lots of problems for lots of people. And, you know, obviously we had to get to see a little bit of shades of Tyron. The old Tyron really in this Vicente fight. You know, he got hurt on the feet. He got stunned. And, you know, obviously was his first lever loss by submission. I mean, this could either go two different ways. Either he just keeps losing. If he loses his next fight... 
Dude, I don't, I don't really don't know what to say about it. I'm not going to completely give up. I'm not going to stop following the accounts. I'm not going to stop. Um, I'm not going to stop just appreciating the career and resurgence and, you know, what he's been able to accomplish and the respect that I have for these athletes wholeheartedly just because he loses a few fights in a row. It doesn't matter. I mean, everybody has their day, but if you remember the history, if you remember the love, if you remember the support and everything that comes with it, then it's like, you know, how could you, how could you be a hater? You know what I mean? Like he, what, what he's been able to do and accomplish in his career that stuff has been absolutely amazing. That's that's way more than anybody else would do every single day. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a kind of different kind of gene that, you know, that guy possesses. I mean, you know what I mean? The world championship material. Anywhere he goes, I do think that he still can be very successful. Very unfortunate, though. Very, very unfortunate. You know, four losses in a row. But hey, four losses in a row... When you're playing chess, man, you know what I mean. So, very devastating. Um, also, um, talking about also caught the attention of the MMA community uh, over the weekend. Uh, Sugar Show Sean O'Malley delivering an amazing knockout, a big knockout over Thomas Almeida. If you guys remember Thomas Almeida, the career, the rise. This guy, man, he was promised, uh, you know, a promising guy, I mean, world championship level fighter, very devastating guy, really one of the tougher matchups for O'Malley physically and skill-wise. Hey, O'Malley, uh, you know, he put the work he needed to put, and he looked amazing against a guy who obviously, like a lot of people, never looked really that good against him unless he was losing. I mean, the Cody fight with, with Thomas Almeida, Cody beat him. Um, and his, I think his last fight he lost too. So, I mean, uh, O'Malley has been picking up win after win after win, and his hair says that I don't give a fuck, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, O'Malley is the real deal. I mean, I mean, he slowly but surely matured, and you know, obviously, still is picking up some phenomenal skills. I mean, his win over Jose Quinones, which we watched earlier. I I watched the win he had over Eddie Wineland. The Sugar Show returns thirteen and zero, man. Logically, really realistically, it's thirteen and one. But you know you got weird ass stoppages in the sport, and a lot of people put them in their mind and they don't count. If that's what helps you sleep at night, that's what that's the most important part. Because you know nine times out of ten, that fight goes different each time. Maybe five times out of five, it's 50-50 for both men. I mean, it, it was a nice calf kick that Cheeto Vera landed on Sean O'Malley. And Sean O'Malley did beat Andre Sukumtak. The only other post-fight interview laying on the canvas. Watched that earlier as well. I mean, O'Malley looking amazing, man. I mean, just adding to his highlight reel, adding to his legacy, Making up fun fights for every single fight that comes up for him. Potentially Dominic Cruz talked about next for O'Malley. I mean, what O'Malley's been able to do, how cool he is, how humble he is. I mean, he's a fun guy, man. He plays video games. He wins in impressive fashion. He trains. He, he looks good. And he's a young guy, too, brewed perfectly for this sport. I mean, not even 27 years old yet, man. And he's already doing all these big things. I mean, he has the skills of a world champion. And over the next few years, 
over the next few fights. I mean, you're going to look at the development and you're going to continue to see everything that he brings to the table. And he's going to bring constant improvement. He's going to constantly keep getting better. He's going to comp- constantly keep keep advancing in his flow state. And he's going to look good. And he continues to look good as he did against the Eddie, and, and the Eddie Weiland fight and the Jose Quinones fight. And most impressively in this recent one against Thomas Almeida, who was ranked at one point in time. So, I mean, you tell me, man. Sean O'Malley, future world champion, Add that to the list because this guy is not going anywhere. He's coming, man. Prediction perfectly picked. First, uh, I think it was like I pick a second round knockout if I'm not believe if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, we got we're signed into the verdict app and all that. So, uh, for Sean O'Malley, I mean, great win. Obviously, unfortunate for Tyron Woodley and you know amazing for Francis Ngannou in in that fight. And you know, obviously, like I said, for for him to do has been absolutely amazing. So I mean, uh, what other fights we have? We're gonna. Get Get out of here because we are pretty fucking stoned and we did have a wild ass uh party before that like kind of a get together before that some recently announced fights official for may 15th we've got um another thing we can uh really talk about for like the last 10 minutes of the show i mean the main event obviously for usc 262 is charles Oliveira finally getting that taste of ufc gold not really getting a taste of ufc gold he's getting a chance to contest for ufc gold against the one the only michael chandler number four against number three um a big uh a big a uh, swing out of left field for a lot of people and if i'm not mistaken 99 95 points Five percent of the people on the planet were shocked at this announcement. Were shocked that this matchup was being made. Were shocked to even hear about the return of one Nate Diaz returning against Leon Edwards. Out of all people, at welterweight, I know, I know Nate Diaz said he's done cutting weight to one fifty five, and you know if he's gonna fight Masvidal, if he's gonna fight Connor in the future or anything else like that, he's gonna fight them at one hundred and seventy pounds and. We were supposed to get Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. We get like a less than a minute of it. Illegal eye poke or whatever it is, you know, a devastating eye poke causes the end of that fight for Leon Edwards. We really don't even get him within the last few years, couple years. We haven't gotten fights from Leon Edwards because he's been on the sidelines and nobody's wanted to fight him. And we finally get a few seconds of it and it ends in a no contest. But now Leon Edwards gets a fight. It's a big fight. Nate Diaz, man, Nate Diaz from Stockton. Nate Diaz 209, I mean, this guy is for real, I mean, Nate Diaz, I mean, that's a big fight, I mean, a lot of people weren't even thinking about that fight, I mean, it's a striker's matchup, a striker's paradise, I mean, Nate Diaz brings phenomenal boxing, phenomenal jujitsu, great ground game, big guy, I mean, he's big, he's a big ass dude. Too big for 155. I mean, he was a big guy in the fight with Usman. I'm not Usman, excuse me. The fight with Masvidal. I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, he can clinch you. He obviously, obviously can defend himself on the ground if it need to be. But striking wise, I mean, I'd say as crisp and sound and as nasty as Leon Edwards looks. I, I, I like it, Leon Edwards in that fight. It's a striker's paradise, and it's one of those fights. I mean, if Nate Diaz can beat Leon Edwards, they say Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards, holy fucking shit. That, that's, that's a completely different story. But Leon Edwards, once again, turned that clock back, and, you know, at this point in time, Nate can't just rely on his name to get him through and get people excited for his fights. He's got to win in impressive fashion, too, and make it competitive. 
him and Connor going back and forth on social media as well, trying to see one up each other. I mean, it's fun to see that man and all these guys in DC. John were going back at it every for a little while, but yeah, man, Nate Diaz returning against um, Leon Edwards. Very interesting. I mean, very, very, very interesting. I mean, Leon Edwards can get a big win over a big name guy and. You know, I can stake his claim either for a next title shot or, you know, another big fight. I mean, like I said, a lot of people haven't seen Leon Edwards fight in a long time because he's been out. People have turned him down. There's been injuries, all this COVID bullshit and all that. So, I mean, we really haven't really got to see him fight. So, I mean, if people don't want to see him fight for a belt next or they're not supportive of it or they're not concerned about it, then you can have him build his way up. Just have him fight two more fights. At least have two fights where there's nothing illegal happen or nothing bad. You know what I mean? Like I said, he, he accidentally, you know, the eye poke against Bilal Muhammad, and we didn't really even get shit to see. I mean, but Leon Edward, we got to see, you know, his him unleash some really good skill, but, you know, it wasn't enough at that end of the day. And, you know, once he once um he was able to beat down um well once he beat down Bilal for the the minute that he did and stuff like that it really showed you that just striking wise Leon Edwards is so fucking dangerous man so I mean I think he's a lot more crisp on the feet he's more sound he's more devastating and I, I think he pieces Nate Diaz up man Jesus Christ that's for Nate Diaz that's coming up that's exciting so is the fight with Chandler and Oliveira too so I mean we got a lot of stuff coming up, ladies and gentlemen, and, and you know, it's, it's going to continue to keep getting better, and, you know, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see how that fight goes and, and all that, and then some, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, I mean, is that it for us here on the show? So, we have five minutes left. Uh, do we got any, any fights coming up, anything worth noting to talk about for this weekend? Um, let me see. Yeah, I mean, we've got a huge, huge card in Texas. I mean, like I was just saying, UFC 262 headline, Charles Oliveira taking on Michael Chandler, Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson returning against the streaking Benil Dariush, Jack Hermanson taking on Edmund Shabazian, and God forbid, I just hope COVID doesn't fuck all these fights off because you never know about I mean I get paranoid about pulling up and opening my phone seeing potential fights being off. You know what I mean? Like it's April Fool's Day, ladies and gentlemen. So we were bound to see some fight announcements or fight announcements get declined and stuff like that. More notably the Tony Ferguson Habib fight. The whole thing that happened with Max Holloway and the whole bus incident and all that shit. You remember that? That that shit happened. And it happened on April 1st, unfortunately. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it was crazy to see that happen. I mean, I didn't see nothing out of the ordinary happen on April 1st today. So, I really, uh, nothing really too crazy happened. So, um, man, like I said, um, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I think that's it for us. I do appreciate you guys for tuning in for this new and a uh, new special edition with the king like i said other than that i've just been i've been enjoying the car i mean it's a beauty man i i, I mean i really officially haven't even given her full name but yeah i mean i really want to get those seat covers i really want to make her look good and you know i fucking clean the fuck out of it earlier so i mean it looked beautiful and um did the windows and and she runs good and you know we're looking to put more performance parts in that and uh and then some and and to continue doing bigger and better and badder things 
Malaysia Jum. So, uh, what kind of what kind of podcast would we be without taking a motherfucking shot before we get out of here on this? glorious and special edition of the pod ladies and gentlemen this is episode 336 of kicking it with the king so before we get out of here ladies and gentlemen do follow us on spotify podcast support like share rate review if you want to donate money if you want to donate your stimulus check if you want to donate anything ladies and gentlemen we wholeheartedly appreciate your condolences we appreciate excuse me appreciate your love and support ladies and gentlemen we're always going to be here. We've been here since day one, since age 18, oh, almost 400 episodes. We're halfway, we're not even close to halfway, but we're, we're right on the way. And we're 336 episodes closer than anyone who isn't doing a podcast. You know what I mean? So without further ado, we got to take a final shot here, ladies and gentlemen, on this show. we, 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 we got to show you that we are for reals. I love that Spotify podcast asked what podcast you would you know, obviously, if you're stranded on the island, the top three podcasts that you would want to listen to, I said KWTK Pod. I said the Believe You Me podcast with Michael Bisping, and I said Joe Rogan. Top three, man, for sure. Um, what are we at? Two minutes left here, so we're gonna take this big, oh fuck, the final shot, ladies and gentlemen. You gotta take the final shot, but uh, we're we're pussy here, so we gotta um, we gotta we gotta um. Use a chaser. Does that make me a bitch? It's, why? It makes me gag. I mean, if there's a, a delicious tasting alcohol that doesn't make you want to die every time I taste it, are you saying that, that, that can that be something that's out there? Can we invent something, a pill that gets you drunk? Rather than having to bleh, throw up every fucking time, you know what I mean? We're at 59 minutes, ladies and gentlemen, so let's hurry up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so here we are. All right, I mean, like I said, if I'm going to drink something, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly keen with taking shots and stuff like that. I just don't want to throw up every time, but here we go. We're going to take this shot real quickly. Show us long-awaited shot, and we're going to have a good time here. So three, two, one. Oh, almost done. It's in a Starbucks coffee cup, too, by the way. All right, we did it. Uh, oh. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, follow me on Twitter. Real G the King, G the King underscore official on Instagram at KWTK pod for all things podcast related. By the way, before we get out of here, did you see how attractive I looked as a woman? Am I going to get canceled for saying that I identify as a trans woman on April 1st? We just had a 99.9% good podcast. And I may have ruined it saying that last thing. I was going to post that video and be like, well, I just got to adapt to the cancel culture, right? If I, get, if I adapt, people can't be mad and they have to learn to accept me if I'm willing to identify as a transgender woman, right? But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's too much trouble here, ladies and gentlemen. Follow us. We're, we're available everywhere you get your shows, ladies and gentlemen. Do subscribe, like, share, rate, and review. I think it's your time now, DJ. And three, two, motherfucking one. We're out of this, bitch. Bye, folks. <laughs>